Alrighty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 17th of January, 2023. Happy Tuesday to you. Hope you enjoyed. I hope you had a long weekend. Yeah, I really do. All right. Now, don't forget about the quickly the housekeeping. You can win a copy of Mike Lee's book or David Petrucci's book at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Both autographed by the author. Check it out. All you got to do is comment with the name of the book you want, and you get your shot. You get it, actually, if your name is drawn. So check that out. Support the show. Get uh, bonus content and extra shows and everything else. Uh, it's well worth five bucks a month, for God's sakes, man. Hunter's still coughing up that much crack every single day, and this is just once a month. So check that out. Appreciate the hell out of the uh, support. Thank you very much. Now let's get on with the program. There is a lot going on. There's a bunch of things to get to. It is Martin Luther King Day. And so as such, we'll do what we do every Martin Luther King Day, just like I do with Pearl Harbor Day or D-Day or whatever. When there are historical things that of significance where there is audio, where you can get a sense of the reality of the time, I'm going to play you the, the clip at the end of the program. Play you Martin Luther King. It always, this is one of the things that bother me. Now, maybe it shouldn't bother me. Maybe I get too much time on my hands to let it bother me. But uh, Martin Luther King, all you hear, and I watched Joe Biden speak yesterday at uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church, Martin Luther King's church. And uh, it was Dr. King this, Dr. King that, doctor, doctor, doctor. And you think, wow, is he a a medical? Now, Joe does it because his wife will beat him up if he doesn't refer to anybody with a PhD or an EHD or any as doctor because she thinks that it cheapens her accomplishments, whereas her actual accomplishments, if you read her dissertation, that cheapens her accomplishment. But it always bothers me when leftists do this, and it's Dr. King, Dr. King. Doc- what was his uh, doctorate in? Theology. He was a reverend. Now, which do you think he, as a man of God, would have been prouder of, would have preferred to be referred to as? I assume it would be the man of God. I assume it would be the reverend part. The reverend or doctor, which is it? And they, they always go with the doctor. Because the left hates religion, as evident as evidenced by Joe Biden's speech yesterday. I love how, and this is uh, this is how the left works. Whenever a Democrat politician, particularly a Democrat president, is in trouble, especially a white one, you just look at the two of the three last Democratic presidents. They run to the black community. It's their security blanket. It's really sad when you get down to it and and should be a bit of a warning shot for the black community to go, wait a second. So no matter what a Democrat does, when they do something bad that has most people going, that's that's unacceptable. Be it Monica Lewinsky, be it 
you know, mishandling, stealing of government classified secrets and doing God knows what with them. When the truth comes to light, what do they do? They run to usually a black church, usually a black church. Al Sharpton's always there, ready to give absolution. And all is forgiven, or so they they think, or so they seem, they don't really address the issue at hand, and they just move on. Now, you should, nobody, no group of people, no individual, should ever be so loyal to a politician or a political party so as to be their security blanket, all right? They work for us. When they screw up, they are screwing up things for us. Therefore, they should be coming in to apologize, to grovel, really, if anything else. But they don't. They go there for the visual of, see, look, these people love me. This crowd loves me. This event loves me. Oh, this church loves me. Well, part of uh, seeking absolution, part of getting forgiveness is, in fact, admitting you're wrong, is, in fact, asking for forgiveness. You can't get forgiveness without asking for forgiveness. Or at least you shouldn't. I don't know anybody who's ever... That's a horrible situation what this person did, but I forgive them. Really? Because they they don't seem to give a damn. They're, they're not broken up about what they did. No, I know, but I forgive them anyway. You look at somebody like that and you think, that's, that's not right. That's, that's grow, grow a pair, grow a spine, grow a something, right? Isn't that what you do? Joe Biden goes down to Ebenezer Church because he knows that he's... He's the first... The Associated Press played it beautifully. Their little narration, it's terrible audio, but they had, oh, it's, uh, he's the first sitting president to address, to address Ebenezer Baptist Church on Martin Luther King Day. They, they put all these caveats in there to make it seem as, oh my goodness, it's so wildly historic, what Joe Biden did. It's so wildly, wildly, wildly historic. Now, I don't, I don't care that it's it could be wildly historic that he gets up somewhere and then just makes fart noises with his armpit. It's historic. No president has done it before. Let's look at maybe why he's doing it because he's insane. Or maybe let's look at why he's gone down to Ebenezer. Uh, it's because he's embroiled in a massive scandal that keeps on ballooning. They claim, oh, this is it. This is it. I swear this is it. And then they go, oh, wait, there's another group of pages of classified material in his house now by the way they found more pages of classified materials over the weekend over the weekend now we'd been uh, assured that they were done oh this is it we've got them they're at the 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 biden center they're at the uh, in the garage and one just one stinking page in uh, his library and that's it and then they found oh wait no, we found like six more pages. Sorry about it. And someplace else in the house. Now, either, either somebody came in to Joe Biden's house in Wilmington, Delaware, picked through the garage, the very secure garage. Maybe they were out there. Maybe it was some lowly intern charged with rubbing down his Corvette with a diaper, found a bunch of classified documents and decided to play a prank on Joe and drop them all throughout the house. Hey, we'll put some over here in this office. We'll put some over here in this. It'll be great. It'll be a hoot when they discover it. It'll be so funny. Everybody will go, oh, that pesky intern. Either that happened or Joe Biden 
has been accessing these classified documents since 2017 when they were moved there and stored there illegally and improperly, when they were stolen and put in his garage. It has to be the latter. It has to be the latter, does it not? Joe Biden had to have been going through these documents. Therefore, he knew that they were classified because he would be aware of what the classification markings look like. Actually, Stevie Wonder would be aware of what these classifications, they, they stamp classified right on them. Various levels of classification, but it's not like the old hobo trail where they're like, there's a circle with two lines above it, and that means they'll give you a sandwich at this house, but the next house will chase you off the grounds with a shotgun. It's not that kind of markings. It's not, they don't, the classified markings aren't classified, right? Like, <laughs> they're not meant to confuse anybody looking at them. They're pretty clear. So then Joe was accessing these things and leaving them around where he presumably does his work. If you can call anything he does work, right? Isn't that the way it would work? Shouldn't that be the question? How did Joe, if he's accessing these things, how did he not know that there were classified documents he was not supposed to have in his home? More importantly, once it became clear, once it became known that he had classified material that he had stolen, why did he send lawyers to his house in Wilmington to go through the papers, lawyers who don't have classified clearance, they don't have top secret clearance, they're not allowed to see these documents? Well, the reason he sent them is pretty clear. Once the documents were found, by the way, they said, oops, And then the White House actually dispatched lawyers with the clearances to handle these documents. So Joe Biden knowingly, knowingly exposed the classified secrets of the United States of America to people who do not have the authority to see them, to view them. Will he catch hell for that? No. Will anybody bother to bring that up? No. But there's a very good reason why, and Jonathan Turley writes about this on his blog, about why it is that he would send lawyers rather than, oh, I don't know, you could send anybody down there from the government who has security clearances, right? Send any government person with a security clearance who would be authorized to look at these documents. You send them down there, and they do not have attorney-client privilege, You send down a government uh, lawyer that doesn't work directly, but just a lawyer doesn't work directly for the president. You don't have attorney-client privilege. You send down Joe Biden's personal attorneys or attorneys he's paying personally, and suddenly you have attorney-client privilege. We will never know what it is that Joe Biden dispatched these attorneys to do, to find what were their orders. We'll never know because attorney-client privilege. Weirdly enough, when Hillary Clinton was discovered to have used her server, her secret private server in the bathroom, she did not say, well, come on in, government employees, people with clearances, people who know what you're looking for. Come on in. You guys go through my emails and we shall uh, you know, take your word for whether or not this email is related to the job or whether it's related to my yoga class, which 
anybody looking at Hillary Clinton has to laugh. She drops a pen. Do you think she could pick it up? She's not taking yoga. She can't bend down. She can't. She wears slip-on shoes. She couldn't tie her shoes. But instead, Hillary Clinton employed some of the most expensive attorneys on the face of the earth to go through her emails, to go through 60,000-plus emails. Now, why would they do that? Why would she do that? Because her attorneys are loyal to her. Her attor- Now, theoretically, to any attorneys listening out there, everybody knows that lawyers, first and foremost, are... Um, loyal to the law. They would never in a million years break the law, particularly when it comes to politics. There is no way any hack Democrat lawyer like David Kendall would ever advocate for, I don't know, destroying 33,000 emails that uh, were maybe less than um, flattering, perhaps a little bit uh, criminal. No, they would never ever in a million years do that. But then again, a decent human being, and we're dealing with two different breeds of cat here. You got lawyers and decent human beings. But a decent human being wouldn't have done what the Clinton team did. For those of you who don't remember what the Clinton team did, remember she's, she still dines out a week. We turned in 30,000 emails. 30,000 emails. How did she turn in those 30,000 emails? She printed them. She printed them, printed them up and handed in pieces of paper, handed in boxes, reams of paper. Why do you do that? Well, because it made searching them for keywords very difficult. They all had to be scanned and then put online in accordance with the court order. All of this came about because Judicial Watch sued. So they took the, uh, they complied with the court order in the most obnoxious way humanly possible, in the most inconvenient way humanly possible, and they only complied based on their own word. Now, do you believe the Clintons? I wouldn't believe a Clinton as far as I could throw them, and both of them are fairly large individuals. Most people probably couldn't throw them very far. But that's what they did. She had her lawyers, probably for about $2,500 an hour, go through her emails not only just separate out the ones they say were work-related to the others, they literally destroyed everything else. Unimportant. Hillary Clinton, up to that point, had saved all of her emails. All of her emails. She had 63 or 64,000 of them. And she said, all right, let's go through and separate out the work ones and literally obliterate in the only way possible to make sure that there is not a single trace of them, the rest of them. That seems a bit extreme, doesn't it? Doesn't that raise questions? Not if you're a liberal journalist, it doesn't raise any questions. So spare me if I don't give any of these people hiring lawyers to go through and do and paying lawyers to go through and do that which a low-level staffer with a security clearance could easily do in the course of a day for free and would have the staffer would have theoretically at least the interests of the united states of america at heart what is the priority of an attorney well an attorney's priority is their client beginning to see the difference now beginning to see why this smells like i don't know a 
a hotel room that Hunter Biden rented for a weekend in Vegas? All sorts of aromas coming from that sucker. Well, I think we can all figure out why it might be that Joe has done this. So, we, like I said, we found more. We didn't. They found more classified documents at Joe Biden's the home. And he goes running off to Ebenezer Baptist Church to wrap himself it's funny because there's a I don't know who this woman is, but sitting behind Joe and is giving a speech, he he butchers the name of Katanji Brown Jackson, Kajinga, Kajunga. He can't do it, and then he finally spits it out and he's reading it and he screws it up. And this woman, now the the crowd applauds like, oh hey, they they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. This woman who's in the shot is just shaking her head no, like oh my god, dude, come on. So I want to play the, the clip from the speech before we even get to the discussion of the documents. The clip from the speech from Joe Biden at Ebenezer Baptist Church where he claims to, that he was involved in the civil rights movement. When he was 22 years old, marching in the civil rights movement. Now, I don't... This is the problem with Joe Biden. So all the, all the uh, whining and complaining about the Republicans out there going, oh, man, they're... This Republican, uh, Republicans are protecting George Santos, right? He, he lied about his biography. They're launching investigations. They've got an ethics investigation. Now, it's kind of funny because he just, as far as I know, I haven't been following the case of George Santos all that closely because I don't care. I don't live in New York's third district. But he lied about his biography in many, many ways. There's people saying maybe he's not gay, he claimed to be gay. Maybe or he's not even Jewish and he claimed to have, uh, that he was Jewish and he claimed to have ancestors in the Holocaust. I don't know what's true and what's not true. Uh, the guy seems to be full of it. He's got a lot of problems um, ethically and morally. But that doesn't matter. He was elected, right? He was elected. The people of his district elected him. There is no mechanism to really remove. They can't recall him. You can't recall a... uh, You can recall state officials, but you can't recall federal officials. So they seem to be stuck with him for two years. Maybe they'll turn him out. Maybe they won't. The... uh, Remember the... What was the guy from Louisiana? Can't remember. Had $100,000 in cash in his fridge. Had $100,000 in in cash in his fridge and uh they reelected him and it was in his freezer sorry in his freezer william jefferson ninety thousand dollars not a hundred thousand dollars in his freezer in his house office and they reelected him the fbi raided his office said oh my goodness what's going on and they they reelected him so you can't say there's something sketch. This guy's sketch Santos will definitely be turned. You can't. I don't know New York's third district, but maybe they like him. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they rally around the flag even more. Who knows what will happen? But you can't say you know what's going to happen when Democrats like William Jefferson are returned to Congress after having $90,000 in cash in their freezer in their office. But Joe Biden, if you're going to hold George Santos 
to account. And I recommend that, you know, he be defeated in the primary and a new Republican come in there. I, I don't think we have enough people in this country. We don't need political scumbags out there lying about things to get elected. We can do better. Whether or not we will remains to be seen. The same goes to the president of the United States. What is it that Democrats constantly said during the Trump administration? No one. No one is above the law. Remember that mantra? No one is above the law. Of course, no one is below the law either, and they never got around to telling you what laws Donald Trump was alleged to have broken, but that's beside the point. No one is above it. No one is above the law. Well, this ain't breaking the law, but it is a demonstration of just how big of a scumbag Joe Biden is. What do I mean? I'll explain that. But first, let's listen to Joe Biden yesterday at Ebenezer Baptist Church claiming he did what everybody, including him, knows he didn't do. I have two political heroes my entire life when I started off as a 22-year-old kid in the East Side of the Civil Rights Movement. I was a 22 kid in the East Side Civil Rights Movement, East Side of of Wilmington, Delaware. I love it. It's like the east side. Like I grew up on the east side, you know, of Wilmington, Delaware. Okay, that's like saying you were in a, which part of the snowstorm were you in? Wilmington, Delaware, east side. Now, he's made this claim multiple, multiple times that he is, was involved in the civil rights movement. The problem is he wasn't involved in the civil rights movement. We go to no other uh, source than CNN. CNN, the Cable News Network, which, if you really think about their name, is a lot like that uh, no-brand beer, beer-brand beer. The Cable News Network, Jake Tapper, talked about Biden lying in the past about this, citing none other than the Holy Bible of the Democratic Party, the New York Times. Biden's 1988 presidential campaign, the first time he ran for president, uh, he lied to voters, according to the New York Times, uh, quoting aides of of Biden's, about having marched in the civil rights movement. This is Biden making this false claim in 1987. When I marched in the civil rights movement, I did not march with a 12-point program. I marched with tens of thousands of others to change attitudes. And the New York Times reports, quote, more than once, advisors had gently reminded Mr. Biden of the problem with this formulation. He had not actually marched during the civil rights movement. And more than once, Mr. Biden assured them that he understood, kept telling the story anyway. That is really, really weird. (laughs) Yeah, that is really, really weird. It's not really weird, Jake. It's not really weird if you pay attention. He's a liar. He lies about every aspect of his life. He's always lied about every aspect of his life. Only while it's amazing, he is a, a combination of incredible arrogance and entitlement. Joe Biden is one of the most entitled and arrogant people. You watch anybody challenge him anywhere on the campaign trail throughout his entire career, and he gets pissed when somebody asks him a tough question. Remember, look, fat. I'm talking to that guy, called the guy fat because he dared ask him some questions, challenging people. Uh, let's do a push-up contest right now. Let's do this. Let's do that. Come on, tough guy. That sort of thing. Wildly, wildly arrogant. Who do you think you are to challenge me? And then incredibly insecure on top of it. 
because his entire career is built on a house of cards. No, it's, it's been teetering on the verge of collapse for 50 years. It did collapse back in 1988 when he first ran for president, which is when that clip was from. Like, No, you didn't march in the civil rights movement. You, you weren't smart in college. You didn't get a scholarship. You didn't get three degrees. You didn't, do, you didn't graduate at the top of your law school. You graduated at the bottom of your law school. Everything about this guy's life is a lie. Just like this clip. Now, this is Biden claiming that he attended a black church as a kid. A lie, a claim that he has made several times in the... the one of the things about Joe is once he gets some BS into his repertoire, it stays there. He sticks with that thing, and he's going to ride it to his grave. He really, really is. So here's Joe claiming that he attended a black church as a kid, just from yesterday again. And let's lay one thing to rest. I may be a practicing Catholic. We used to go to 7.30 Mass every morning in high school and then in college before I went to the black church. Not a joke. Andy knows this. Not a joke. Not a, It is a joke. It is a joke. We go back to October 12, 2020, the Washington Free Beacon. Headline, Biden talked of attending black church as a teen, but members don't recall it. <laughs> On the campaign trail, Joe Biden has talked frequently about his early years in the civil rights movement, which, again, we know that he was not a part of. As a teenager, he says he regularly attended a black church in Wilmington, Delaware, where he was involved in organizing anti-segregation protests in the early 1960s. Quote, I got raised in the black church, Biden said in a speech to Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Push Coalition last year. Quote, we would go sit in Reverend Herring's church, sit there before we'd go out and try to change things when I was a kid in college and in high school, end quote. <laughs> so, so, such a champion for the cause. The church Biden referenced, Union Baptist Church, was a prominent African-American church in Wilmington run by Reverend Otis Herring, an acclaimed pastor who passed away in 1996. But Biden has made comments that seem to contradict this account. When reporters questioned Biden's claim in 1987 that he marched in the civil rights movement, he acknowledged that he, quote, wasn't an activist. <laughs> that his most significant experience with civil rights as a youth was when he worked at a minority black swimming pool as a college sophomore in 1962. That was a civil rights champion, Joe Biden. That's what he did. He, he took a job. <clears throat> Now, interviews with longtime church members are raising questions about his story. Biden befriended Herring as an adult, they say, but they do not recall him attending the church as a teenager. Phyllis Drummond, Herring's longtime assistant, who attended Union Baptist Church for 39 years, said she was not involved in the church in the early 1960s, but does not think Biden attended at the time, quote, no, not at our building. I think he was probably in Claymont, Delaware, or Pennsylvania then, Drummond told the Free Beacon. The Biden campaign did not return requests for comment, of course. And they go on. They have uh, probably another thousand words of various uh, congregants of the church who say, no, no memory of Joe Biden, uh, a young white kid would have stuck out like a sore thumb, not only attending the church, but attending the civil rights meetings and planning sessions. No memory of it whatsoever.
So what's the truth? Well, the truth is that Joe Biden is full of it, that Joe Biden makes things up, that Joe Biden is a fraud and a liar. But the real truth is that there isn't a single Democrat out there that gives a damn. Joe Biden's in trouble politically right now. There's a scandal. And what does he do? He runs to the Ebenezer Baptist Church. And all of these so-called civil rights leaders now are right there clapping on cue, clapping when they should, applauding a president of the United States who has lied in the past repeatedly about being involved in the civil rights movement. They are clapping. They are cheering. They are laughing when they are supposed to laugh. They are doing performance art. Because the civil rights movement, in quotes, now is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Democrat Party. It really, truly is. The civil rights movement has become a wholly owned subsidiary of the Democratic Party. I mentioned earlier in the show, right at the start, that I was going to do uh, the Martin Luther King speech. And my wife heard me, she sent me a message saying, be careful, be careful. The, the King family goes after anybody. If you're, usually if you're, she said anybody. But if you are um, using the I Have a Dream speech or any Martin Luther King audio. And that's why I searched it. And I found this piece by, uh, piece by Josh Schiller, from August 27th, 2013. Why you won't hear or see the I Have a Dream speech. Josh Schiller is associate in the New York offices of Boys, Schiller, and Flexner, who has represented plaintiff as a lawyer. And he goes through and he talks about how the King family, their industry, their business, they make their money off of Martin Luther King. The party you can't blame them. They lost their father when they were young, but they have also... The King children, large swaths of the King family have spent the vast majority of the time since 1968 suing one another over who has control over what, suing each other to get possession of various artifacts um, so they can sell them. They have been seemingly working feverishly to make sure they don't have to work feverishly and using the legacy of their father. Now, again, they, they lost their father very young. Their father wasn't making a fortune, so that they want to have some kind of money and okay, fine. But at a certain point, don't you have to recognize that maybe there's some historical significance, there's some importance. So if I were to play it, now I'm seeing this in this article, they'd probably sue me and it would cost a lot of money. So I'm not going to play it. And that's just how the King family works now. Now, where do you think a, a family with that as their priority as their prior, it's their priority. What do you think they're going to do when it comes to a political party? Where do you think their money comes from? Why would anybody, frankly, give a damn? This I never understood. You see this with the king. You see it other times with other politics, but the king family in particular, the children, the children. Oh my goodness, the children. Let's go to uh, the Dr. Martin Luther King's uh, nephew. Let's go to his. Uh, son, his grandson, his granddaughter, whatever, they all kind of are imbued by the left, not by reality, with some sort of moral authority to speak. Oh, it's, it's just like hearing Martin Luther King speak. It's not. 
guilt is not inheritable and neither is glory. Guilt is not, the entire left is now premised on the idea that guilt is somehow inheritable. And they put the King family out there and a lot of other people out there as saying, oh, well, and so is glory is also inheritable. It is not. I don't give a damn what Martin Luther King III has to say any more, frankly, than I care what Elvita King has to say. I'm consistent on it. Elvita King is a conservative and the right trots her out going, look at this, uh, Martin Luther King's niece. I don't care. I, I, I'm more interested in what she's done than her lineage, right? Her lineage doesn't matter. The King family's lineage doesn't matter. What do they do? And the current King family is all in a really big set of bunk beds with the Democratic Party. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I had a dream when that wouldn't happen. (laughs) Didn't work out. All right, let's shift to our criminal president, who was a criminal vice president. Really, if you look at... uh, the way that the president of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden, has treated our national security secrets when he was vice president. And, and presumably you don't you're not just recklessly cavalier with things when you're vice president and then suddenly go now. Now I got to take this stuff seriously as president. I imagine you've got more handlers around you to make sure that you don't make a, a complete ass out of yourself and. Nowadays, they'll be really sure that he doesn't because, you know, how many more blows can the guy take? But it is uh, telling. Actually, he didn't do this while vice president. He did this after. But he stole these documents on his way out the door. And then he'd been using them. I would be, in all honesty, I would be open to the prospect that this was just some sort of clerical mistake, some sort of office packing up error if Classified documents were found in a box of papers. You get a stack of papers and you're packing up the office. And you're like, I, I don't know. You're looking through page after page after page after page. You're going to, your eyes are going to gloss over and you go, I, I don't know. I didn't check them all. I just threw, I wasn't really paying attention, whatever. I'd understand that. But having these pages, these classified stolen, and they were stolen. He didn't have the authority to take them stolen documents in so many places and particularly in his home in two places at least and if this is what they're admitting to god knows what he really did but in two places at least where he will would have worked which means what it means that it was he accessed them he was accessing them at least once at some point and then just kind of left them willy-nilly I am not inclined to believe that this is by accident anymore. Now we definitely need to know the content of these documents. At least I hope that the House Republicans, because the Democrats don't give a damn, the House Republicans are readying subpoenas to get this information. Because the White House isn't going to answer any questions. They've already pulled the, well, this is under investigation. We refer you to the Justice Department, which expressly can't say anything which won't say anything. They keep referring you as like saying, uh, for comment, we refer you to Helen Keller. Well, Helen Keller isn't going to give you a comment. Well, you, you got to refer to her. Why? 
because we're not we can't comment on this. We, it's an ongoing investigation, so go talk to the justice justice departments. It's actually a, a special counsel, so they're not going to comment on it either. It's the perfect result if you want this story to go away. So we don't get to know what was going on with these documents or whether or not. See, the government doesn't, this is the problem with government. It's so big. They don't have an inventory of these pages so that they could maybe, I don't know, do what would come naturally to a human being would occur to them. So maybe we should look and see what documents are that the vice president had and which ones are missing. Because every piece of classified material our federal government has is cataloged somewhere. You can't just walk in. You don't you don't get on your computer and go, well, control alt P or control P. Let's print up these these classified materials. They have very strict protocols, even when handled by elected government officials, so that they are not to leave various rooms. They are not to be copied and duplicated. You don't get classified. You don't get the presidential daily briefing while standing next to the Xerox machine and then everybody leaves the room where you could make 100,000 copies of it. That's not how it works. Or a scanner where you could send it out an email. They are protected. So you get these pages and they know you have them. They're classified. They're supposed to be tracked. There are paper tracks. We'd know when he got these, theoretically, and uh, we would note, you'd hope, that he didn't return them. So we know, probably, we should know, depends on how poorly the records were kept, we should know what pages are missing, right? You got the pages that they found, and there's, well, there's another 300 that are missing. What happened to those? They were all signed out to the office of vice president. What happened to them? We're supposed to take the words of lawyers working to protect Joe Biden, the citizen, and then lawyers working to political lawyers working to protect Joe Biden, the president. We have to take their word for it. The Manson family wasn't contracted out to investigate the Tate Lobianco murders. That wouldn't have made a lot of sense. How does this make any sense? They, well, we've got an independent counsel. We've got a special counsel now. The investigation over the, the special counsel Last week, over the weekend, they found more documents. The special counsel didn't find those documents. Biden's lawyers found those documents. So what the hell is the special counsel doing? And if Joe Biden's Wilmington home is a crime scene, which it sure as hell seems like it is, why is Joe Biden there today? Why is he allowed to be there today? Why isn't the special counsel putting up the crime scene tape around there and going through the rest of the house because we've been assured on at least two separate occasions that all the documents have been accounted for. Don't worry, the search is complete. The search is complete. Every time they circle back, they find more. Um, Maybe, maybe, just maybe they need to take this a little more seriously. But of course, being a Democrat means you never have to take anything too seriously. All you got to do is ride out the storm. That's the priority. Ride out the storm. Live long enough to be able to declare whatever the scandal is that's plaguing you to be old news. It's the Clinton model. Deny, 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 refuse to cooperate, sit there, call BS, blah, 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 blah. And then 
when it's been a long time, you say, ah, this is old. You're still talking about this is such old news. And the media shifts and goes, oh, it's old news. Well, they're already trying to find ways to insulate Joe Biden. Let's talk about Jamie Raskin first. Maryland's own Jamie Raskin. What a what a god-awful human being Jamie Raskin is. Just the one of the most raging hypocrites. How he lives with himself and, and how he's lived his life, I don't know. How his family isn't just mortified to be related to this guy. How his members of his district are not mortified to have elected such a raging hypocrite. I'll never understand. Every time Donald Trump belched, Jamie Raskin said he needs to be impeached. It's an outrage. He tried to get... Donald Trump, my God, he he tried to overturn the results of an election. He's history's greatest monster. He's a threat to democracy. And Jamie Raskin's very first act as a member of Congress was to object to the certification of the 2016 election. His very first act, he did exactly what he whined and complained and raised a ton of money off of saying that Donald Trump did. He did it. He did it first. And uh, he has no qualms about that. And Democrats didn't go, you you probably shouldn't be on this committee because you're a hypocrite. They don't care. Who better to catch a thief than a thief? Who better to call out a hypocrite than a hypocrite? Well, he was on CNN. As Joe Biden, the documents that we don't know anything about, it's weird how we don't know the content of these doc. We heard wild speculation. We don't know what the, the Trump documents were either. But we had wild speculation that sort of became part of the folklore of the Trump documents. If you remember, it was, well, it's probably, could be nuclear secrets. It might be nuclear secrets. They don't know that it's nuclear secrets, but it could be nuclear secrets. That was a thing. Maybe he's trying to sell these things to an enemy of the country. That's a real danger, uh, especially if it related to nuclear secrets of the United States. And you, they, that was that was the tone of the news coverage. With Joe Biden, there's no, gee, I wonder what these things are about. Could they have been nuclear secrets? We're dealing with, you know, countries that are pretty hostile to the United States and or corrupt, like Ukraine, where the Biden family was making a ton of money. Maybe, just maybe, all these things... Questions should be asked, not allowed to ask these questions. And along comes Jamie Raskin, brain-dead embarrassment to his friends and family, to say, eh, doesn't, I'm not really too concerned about this. Let's not jump to any conclusions. Mr. Jumps to Conclusions says don't jump to any conclusions. Now we learn that President Biden had roughly 20 classified documents, including some marked top secret in three different locations. By Biden's own standard, wasn't Biden totally irresponsible with classified information? And aren't we right to wonder, to use Biden's words, quote, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? Well, and I think we'll get to the bottom of all of that. I mean, that's why special counsel uh, has been appointed by Attorney General Merrick Garland. He did the right thing there to look into it. You know, I'm hoping that we will keep a sense of symmetry about our analysis of these situations and a sense of proportion about the underlying offenses. There's some people who are trying to compare uh, having a government document um, that should no longer be in your possession to inciting 
uh, a violent insurrection against the government of the United States. And those are obviously completely different things. That's apples and oranges. So we should keep a, a sense of proportion and measure about what we're talking about. You got to almost be embarrassed for his, his family that he pulls out this one. He builds up a straw man. You notice that? Well, there are some people who are saying having government documents that you, you should no longer have possession of. Isn't that weird? That's a hell of a way to say stole. Classified material that you stole. Because make no mistake, Joe Biden was not authorized to take those documents, and he took them anyway. That means stealing. He stole them. And you go, well, there are some people who are trying to say that that's the same thing as inciting a riot. Who are these people? Name one, Jamie. Come on, Jamie. Name one of these people who are going, no, it's the exact same thing as January 6th. No, they're not comparing that to January 6th, even though most normal human beings either don't give a damn or recognize that Donald Trump did not, in fact, incite a riot on January 6th. But that's beside the point. Living in your fantasy, Jerry Curl-headed, sprayed world, you can think that all you want. People, what they're doing is comparing Donald Trump and the reaction to Donald Trump having alleged classified material to Joe Biden having alleged classified material. You were ready to burn down Mar-a-Lago and throw Donald Trump in prison without knowing a damn thing about what the documents were, whether or not they were just folders. You didn't care, Jamie. You did not care. But now that it's your guy, it's your team, which anybody who looks at it and goes, uh, it's your team, my team, you shouldn't have access to classified material at all. You really shouldn't be elected to Congress. You, you should be embarrassed. You should be shamed out of public life. But to sit there and go, that's no big deal. Why don't we reserve judgment? Why don't we wait to see? Show me one example of you reserving judgment, Jamie. Can you do that? Will you do that? Is Are you capable of that? I know you can compare apples to piles of rocks, Apples to a fungus infection, things that have nothing to do with each other. January 6th to Joe Biden violating the Espionage Act. You can do that. But show me your reaction to Donald Trump's classified materials versus Joe Biden's classified materials. Donald Trump was president of the United States. He was authorized to declassify all that information that he wanted to. Doesn't need to be filled out in triplicate and notarized to have it done. It was all kept in one place. The National Archives knew that it existed, and they asked that it be put behind lock and key, even though it was already on grounds that were controlled and secured by the Secret Service of the United States. And Donald Trump complied. He built the facility and put the lock on it. Joe Biden kept it in his garage. He also kept it in a Chinese communist government-funded office. Also, before that, for a year, kept it in an office that he shared with his crackhead son and a Chinese communist party member, business partner of his son in Georgetown. Did that. He also kept it in his garage. He also kept them in at least two locations in his house. Nobody's alleging that Donald Trump was running around making paper airplanes out of classified materials and flinging them out to his guests around the pool. Joe Biden might as well have. Yet one is of grave concern to the Jamie Raskins of the world. And the other is eh, no big shake. What are you going to do? Let's not rush to judgment. Let's not rush to judgment. He's not like that monster Donald Trump. 
No, you're right. Donald Trump went into politics and lost money. Joe Biden went into politics and became filthy rich. That is not like Donald Trump at all. So we got uh, MSNBC trying to do damage control for Joe Biden. And this these clips are hilarious to me. They are absolutely hilarious to me. There's a guy, I tried to figure out who in the hell this person is. He just seemed to come out of nowhere. And if you get a cable news contract, you everybody, I they don't even bother trying to explain who this person is anymore. He's like, well, he's on cable news. His name is uh, Ferdinand Amandi. Ferdinand Amandi. You'd know him if you saw him. You can't forget him. He is one of those dudes with feathered hair. And you sit there and you go, you're an adult. You can look at him and you go, obviously, this guy graduated high school in the 80s. It's pretty damn clear this guy graduated high school in the 80s. But he should have, uh, I assume it was the 80s. Maybe it was the 90s. If it was the 90s, it's even worse. But he looks like he graduated school in the 80s. And you, you haven't changed your hair since then, have you? It's just this side of a Dutch boy haircut. He looks he looks like he's goes in and he, does, he has a beard and everything. And he tells his barber, hey, what I really need is the Farrah Fawcett look. That's what his hair is like. And nobody in his world, they must be financially dependent upon him or something because nobody goes, dude, that's just not working for you. What are you doing? Try something else. But anyway, he is an MSNBC contributor. And I had to look him up because I wanted to know what the hell this guy did in order to like, come out of nowhere. Suddenly he's a, a political analyst for MSNBC and NBC News. I'm like, who the hell is this? So I look it up. He's uh, president and CEO of Ben Dixon and Amandi International. They they are management of all aspects and operations of the firm. This is from his LinkedIn page, including all corporate operations, including multicultural public opinion polls, focus groups, media production and strategic communications and research management. He's a left wing hack. Then you look down and he was an instructor, not a college professor at uh, the University of Miami, okay? Then you see his political career. He's political director for Rod Smith's gubernatorial campaign in 2005. And you go, I had to go, who the hell was Rod Smith, R-O-D Smith? And did he win? Did he at least get, no, he didn't even get the nomination. Like, okay, not good. He was deputy Florida finance director an Arizona state coordinator and Florida special projects coordinator. Coordinator is code for low level. Thanks. For John Kerry for president in 2004. We all know how well that worked out. He was the campaign manager for somebody called Jose Cancela for Miami-Dade mayor. Didn't win. <laughs> and you look and his, his his resume on his own LinkedIn page is just a series of, of losses. And you go, how the hell does this guy get a contributorship to cable? He has, and then you realize, oh, yes, liberals fail up. You, you forget that every once in a while. But liberals fail up. Stacey Abrams did not become a millionaire until she lost her first race for governor. Now that she's lost her second race for governor of Georgia, the sky's the limit. She's going to be seven, eight figures in the next four years. I promise you. Anyway, Ferdinand Amande was on MSNBC. 
asked about these documents. Now, I don't know who it was over the on Sunday. I don't know who this host is. It's some woman. Young woman. Dumb. She's dumb. And what do I mean by dumb? Listen to her question, first of all. Her question is um, the ultimate in bias. It's a case study in bias. Ferdinand, predictably, Republicans are working the airwaves, trying to convince Americans that Biden and Trump cases are one in the same. Now, I guess the question could be, will their base by it? It doesn't matter. They'll be voting Republican anyway. So the real question is, how damaging overall could this be for Biden and the Democrats and any uh, voters who are maybe on the fence? <laughs> Republicans, these damned Republicans, these dastardly Republicans. Oh, God, they're just terrible. But let's concern ourselves with Democrats, since that's who we're talking to. Let us concern ourselves with the choir to which we are preaching. Now, in comes Ferdinand. Is this going to be a problem having, I don't know, classified material thrown all around this, the Biden estates? Is that going to be a problem? Ferdinand Anandi, swear to God, says, no, this is going to be a problem for Republicans. Yeah, how? What? How? I... I can't even mock this kind of stupidity without you hearing. You have to hear it for yourself. Oh, I don't see any damage from Biden and the Democrats. I do, however, see a continuing problem for the non-base Republican voter who looks at this Republican Party, who talked for the last two years about what they would do when given the reins of power in American government, like the Republican majority in Congress now has to actually do things uh, to try and fix a certain situation that they think needed remedy, whether it be around the economy, whether it be around gas prices, any of these elements. And yet they're engaged in the weaponization of the rule of law against political opponents. I think it's a fiasco for them. And I think, again, any American voter who is a non-MAGA base voter will see this for what it is. <laughs> it's a fiasco for them. Oh, my goodness. They're weaponizing the rule of law against their political opponents. Just let that sink in for a second. How absolutely stupid that sentence is. If that's a, a level of skill, of stupidity, that that most people could never dream of. You know, most people could never, certainly couldn't deliberately achieve that level of stupidity. They're weaponizing the rule of law against their political opponents by pointing out how their political opponent has broken the law. Their weapon... That is... If they're... The museum has since closed down because nobody cares. But I went to the museum a few times. Never once paid. They got free tickets. You could get free tickets. They weren't that hard to get, which is always a bad sign for any place that charges admission. It's like there's tickets everywhere. And every time you go there, there's nobody there. And you're like, wow, this is great. It's great to have this place to yourself. And you go, no, you know, it's tourist season and nobody's here because nobody gave a damn about the media but if the museum still existed that should have been carved into the wall they're weaponizing the rule of law against their political opponents i guess it's different than the democrats approach which is they weaponize lies against their political opponents they just make stuff up they don't have the rule of law on their side they don't have anything otherwise donald trump would have certainly been indicted by now at least the closest they've come is a civil case against him. <laughs> civil case? Really? That's what you got. Six years, seven years now. 
and uh, unlimited funds in every level of government, and you got uh, a civil case. That's what you brought against the Trump crime family. My God, that's terrible. And meanwhile, Republicans are are uh, politicizing criminal activity of their political opponents. But that level of stupidity doesn't end. See, what if you notice about Ferdinand Amandi is his answer is exceedingly long. I had to cut it into three pieces. It's exceedingly long because he knows he doesn't have a case. That's the only way you accidentally say something that stupid is because you're just trying to toss a word cell to try and distract from the fact that your guy and presumably the people you contract with with your private business and make a fortune off of is an idiot and has screwed up big time. You can't just say they screwed up big time because dissent or even accurate analysis is not allowed on the left. So you have to just keep throwing things at the wall and throwing things at the wall and going, God, I hope some of this sticks or at least I hope by the time I'm done speaking, The audience will have forgotten what the question is. If I throw enough buzzwords out there, we'll talk about January 6th. We'll talk about Donald Trump. We'll talk about evil Republicans. We'll do that. Well, the question was about what you want for lunch. So I don't even know what restaurant we're in anymore. What the hell are you talking about? That's the objective. Keep that in mind. He continues. And the more they draw this contrast and try and create what is clearly a false equivalency, Corey, I think it's going to blow up in their face. I mean, if you want a quick metaphor... This, with the classified documents and Vice President Biden, it's the equivalent of, you know, driving on a country rural road. You maybe take your eyes off the car in front of you for a second. You hit the car and then you pull over. Nobody's watching. You call the police. You call the insurance. You report it. You fill out the paperwork and you move on in your life. By comparison, what Trump has done is the equivalent of someone with 10 DUIs driving in the middle of downtown without a without a driver's license crashing into the police station lobby and then walking away from the scene of the crime saying that your rights are being impeded on. It's absurd. And this is why the Republican embrace of Trump continues to be problematic. (laughs) It's a question about Joe Biden and classified documents. By the way, Ferdinand, analogies should be much shorter. As somebody who comes up with them on the spot uh, often, they have to be much shorter. They shouldn't take a minute and a half to get down to. You don't need that much kind of detail unless you're simply trying to eat up as much time as humanly possible. Then you do that. But there's a problem with your analogy, which I don't know. I would say that you know that there's a problem with your analogy since you're 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 comparing two completely different things. But given everything else you've said, you might be too dumb to know the difference. You might be too dumb to know that there's a, a problem with your analogy. See, when Joe Biden was vice president of the United States, as I've said repeatedly, he did not have the authority to do a damn thing with classified material, declassify anything, take it, whatever. He stole it. He stole it when he left the office of vice president. The president of the United States does have the authority to declassify things. The vice president does not. Joe Biden was vice president. Donald Trump was president. Donald Trump's classified documents were kept in a secure location per the request of the National Archives that knew that he had them. Still, the Justice Department raided Mar-a-Lago anyway after the security measures and the Secret Service being there were, were taken. To this day, only lawyers working for Joe Biden have gone through his 
places, I guess, house, offices. And when it, nobody ever had more offices and did such little work than Joe Biden. He's got like 15 offices and he didn't do a damn thing. He just had left wing organizations usually funneling it through China, shoveling money towards him. It's a nice work if you can get it. And people wonder why people think politicians are corrupt. But they were all over the place. In the garage, in the, the gutter, everywhere. Nowhere was remotely secure. And having a key fob for the janitors to get in is not a secure location. It's a wildly different scenario. But, you well, I don't know. Maybe Ferdinand didn't know that. Given the fact that he leaves the house with the hair that he has on his head, I wouldn't put anything past him. So then uh, little uh, Ferdinand Anandi, the hairdo, the hairdo. If you see a picture of him, you'd know he's the hairdo. He then continues with the world's most epic, it really might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard on cable television. And that's saying a lot. But he finishes tossing his word salad. Had they distanced themselves from him after the January 6th insurrection, which coincidentally was led by President Trump, they might have the moral authority now to go after Biden with this optical problem. Since that doesn't exist, it only draws a contrast, which I don't think Republicans in Congress are going to benefit from when you have Donald Trump on the other side of what is being held up for someone to follow the rule of law. That's always going to be a problem. <laughs> See, it's just an optical problem for Joe Biden. This is one of those optics things. It's he sure it comes across as though he's mishandled classified information, but it's just it's just how you look at it. It's not real. This guy's paid, presumably, for this. Now, there are some cable news contributors, particularly on MSNBC, who I'm told are, um, they like one in particular, a guy named Kurt. I've been told that he begged for his contributorship, begged for it. And took no pay. He got what well, took no pay. He was offered. They didn't want him, but they, in exchange for giving him the title, he did it for no pay, so he could market himself as I am an MSNBC contributor. So maybe that's the same way for this guy. If you look at Ferdinand Anandi's career, it's one failure after another, which to a normal observer would mean who the hell would pay for this person? Of their opinion, the god they've done nothing but wrong. Be like you know, getting. Dick Morris and uh, what is the other guy? The the pollster, Frank Luntz. Getting Dick Morris and Frank Luntz. That's the Dick Morris and Frank Luntz show. Why? They're, they're horribly wrong for the last 20 years. Why the hell would you reward them? Well, Anandi's been horribly wrong and lost pretty much everything he's touched. Why would anybody hire him? Well, because they're not there yet, but they don't want their uh, their employees to spew the stupidity that the guests do once once these news networks news being in air courts get used to their employees their journalists spewing stupid things like if this is really a huge problem for republicans not democrats then they can get rid of the contributors keep it all in-house and complete the destruction of western civilization through the stupefying of the american public yeah can you tell i'm not an optimist because <laughs> i'm not all right, uh, in the time we have left, I want to just highlight a couple of things that talk about how I used to love Meet the Press. I used to love the Sunday shows. When I get up on Sunday now, there's there's really nothing that I watch. I force myself to watch 
the uh, Howie Kurtz thing at 11 o'clock on Fox News. I force it because it's something. You know, I do like media criticism. It's one of my favorite things to do. And so I'm like, oh, I'll watch that show. But it's one of those shows where you're just like, what's well, the same five people again? This is a club. This isn't a TV show. This is a club. This is a podcast. It's the same five people. Give me a break. But the Sunday shows themselves, it used to be, ooh, I'd watch this week with David Brinkley, then with Sam and Cokie, and then even with Snuffleupagus for a long time. But now that's unwatchable occasionally. And with the invention of social media, whatever is worthwhile that happens, you can you can find clips. You can watch clips of it. You don't have to spend an hour watching this whole thing. But no institutional Sunday television show has fallen as far as Meet the Press. I think it's the longest running, certainly the longest running news program, maybe the longest running television show ever. They have different categories. It's very, very weird. But it, since Tim Russert died, it got worse. Nobody's going to be Tim Russert, but what was it David Gregory was up there for a while and he got canned and they put uh, the Ginger Avenger Chuck Todd in charge. Chuck Todd is married to a left-wing activist, a true devotee of left-wingism. Not a Democrat devotee, but a Bernie Sanders acolyte. That's how far in the tank his family is. And you can say, well, that's Chuck Todd, and I know that's his defense. That's my wife. It's totally separate. It's her job to work for Bernie Sanders and work for left-wing radical... On rare occasions do couples have diametrically opposed political views. There are some shades of gray, but that's at most it. But it, not everybody is Marley Matt or not Marley Madeline, Mary Madeline. Marley Madeline is the actress. Never, not everybody is Mary Madeline and James Carville. That's the rarity. Chuck Todd has his own history of working for liberal politicians too before he became a quote unquote journalist. So for him to say that this is well, it's a totally separate. It's what my wife does is a load of crap. Just to be honest with you, I can tell as evidence, but he asked about Hunter Biden. I want to play you this clip. It's, it's rather funny. Chuck Todd does not understand what Hunter Biden might have done that is wrong. It's, uh, I, I don't know how else to put it. You would think a guy who works in journalism, who definitely thinks he's, I've met Chuck a couple times, he definitely believes himself to be the smartest person in the room no matter what room that is, when he's not, even when he's the only person in that room. But you would think a person that uh, much in love with themselves and their so-called profession might have, I don't know, followed the news just a little bit. Instead, he probably thought, well, this is just Russian disinformation. What's the point? Listen to Chuck Todd say he doesn't, he doesn't understand what crime Hunter Biden is accused to have committed. Senator... Do you have a crime that you think Hunter Biden committed? Because I've yet to see anybody explain it is not a crime to make money off your last name. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see anybody. There's no. Oh, yeah. No, it's not a crime. It is a crime to sell access to pre- your, your fortune, your $80,000 a month contingent upon um, meetings with your father who oversees Ukrainian policy and then 
policy decisions of the United States of America made in favor of the company paying you $80,000 a month, like, I don't know, getting the prosecutor fired who was looking into the corruption of that company, those sorts of things, Chuck. I mean, putting aside, if you, you, you don't want to get into the political, the obvious political things and the payoffs and Joe selling his position, you don't have to do that. You could just say, wow, there's an awful lot of video of Hunter Biden sleeping with prostitutes and smoking crack. And while that may be commonplace on the staff or meet the press or even at MSNBC and NBC News, it's still illegal in the United States to, you know, have sex for money with trafficked individuals and or smoke crack. As legal as pot is in, in most places or in a lot of places, crack is still different. Just just putting it out there, not to mention all the potential money laundering. If you can look at the former mayor, the wife of the former mayor of Moscow, giving Hunter Biden a million dollars for no particular reason no, that we know of. And I think that's a little bit weird that maybe it's worth looking into. Then I can't help you, Chuck. No one can. Especially not uh, Ron Johnson. Senator Ron Johnson was on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. That's who he said that doozy to. And then they had this exchange where Chuck Todd lets his left-wing freak flag fly while claiming that he doesn't have a left-wing freak flag. I'll, I'll take it at your word that you're ethically bothered by Hunter Biden. I'm curious, though. You seem are, to have are, a pattern. Are you not? I, I seem to have a not? pattern. I, I'm a journalist. I have are, to deal are you, in facts. Are you not, are you not, I deal in facts. You, so, Senator, my question to you is, uh, I'm always worried. I, I have skepticism of both parties. I sit here with skepticism of a lot of people's work. And I'm curious, are you, were you at all concerned? Uh, this, your Senate Democrats want to investigate Jared Kushner's uh, loan from the Qatari government when he was working in the government negotiating uh, many things in the Middle East. Are you not as concerned about are you not concerned about that? And I say that because it seems to me if you're concerned about what Hunter Biden did, you should be equally outraged about what Jared Kushner did. I, I'm, I'm concerned about getting the truth. I don't target individuals, target individuals. You, just, I target you don't? You're targeting Hunter Biden my, my, my multiple concern, times my on this show, my, Senator. You're targeting an Chuck, individual. Chuck, my, my concern, my, my, you know, Chuck. You know, part of the problem, and, and this is pretty obvious to anybody watching this, is you don't invite me on to interview me. You invite me on to argue with me. You know, I'm just trying to lay out the facts that certainly Senator Grassley and I uncovered. They were suppressed. They were censored. They interfered in the 2020 election. Conservatives understand that. Unfortunately, liberals in the media don't. And that's part of the things yeah. that uh, part, part of the reasons our politics are inflamed is we do not have an unbiased uh, media. We don't. It's unfortunate. I'm all for a free press. Well, it needs Senator, to be more unbiased. Senator, There's look, misinformation this is, look, on both partisan, sides, but the Senator, censorship and Senator, suppression look, we're trying to primarily do issues occurs here, from fact, the left. Partisan cable, look, you can go back on your partisan cable cocoon and talk about media bias all you want. I understand it's part of your identity. Let me move to what happened in Brazil. <laughs> Let's move to what happened. Let me just throw this steaming pile of turds out there and then go to a different topic. You can go back to your cable news cocoon, meaning you can go back to Fox if that's all. He's on your show, Chuck. He's willing to come on your show. Are you willing to be interviewed by a conservative? Are you willing to let a conservative speak at all? No, you're not. But somehow he's the problem. 
he's the it's you want to talk about projection that is projection to the point that it deserves a chef's kiss the guy who ruined meet the press i don't know he must have some some dirt on the executives over at nbc news otherwise any decent boss would have fired him a long long time ago anyway that is it for today let's call it a day there shall we We'll have another day tomorrow. I appreciate you listening. Thanks for telling a friend. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.